0: Trainer Talks and Tales acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Tourible and Yugara people of Mianjin. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.
1: Trainer Talks and Tales love having an array of guests with a variety of opinions. However, the views of the individuals do not necessarily reflect the perspectives of the host facilities. Hi everyone, welcome back to Trainer Talks and Tales. I am Daisy and of course, as always, I'm joined by Tess. Hey Daisy. Hello Tess. How was your week?
0: Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, We're recording this on a Monday, but um, I've had a really good week preceding this and a great weekend. Uh, I know that you're going to ask me my recommendation. I know that that's going to be your next question. So my recommendation actually comes from a personal experience I had on, oh, geez, is that Friday afternoon? the days of (laughs) blood i was driving along and i looked up and i saw a flying fox on a power line and you know tess i love my flying foxes so I actually uh turned around and had a look just because i know that most of the time when a flying fox is electrocuted that the pups actually survive so lo and behold i looked up and the pup was still alive so i called my local bat rescue and the jex was organized to come out they took the deceased mum off the power line and the pup was okay Um, and it will be rehabbed and released so my recommendation is a very test recommendation it's if you see a flying fox electrocuted um, please just check and see if there's a pup particularly this time of year
1: that's such a good recommendation and so important (laughs) and if people didn't see I think you did a pretty cool well not pretty cool but pretty interesting reel I guess on you know that process of how you called Energex and got them to help you out
0: yeah no it was so easy with um, my bat group so that's um that's my recommendation anyway um but how about you what's been happening in your world
1: yeah no nothing crazily exciting um just another good week I don't really have like a massive recommendation for everyone this week I've been listening to my pop culture podcast a little bit more than my animal training podcast which is okay okay. it's good to have a balance um actually in this episode that is uh, in this conversation we have on this episode sorry we do chat a little bit about social media and the facilities that I guess that are leading the way with their social media. And so I guess my only recommendation is is that I've been having a massive binge stalk of a lot of different social medias for zoos and aquariums just to have a look around. And I think Georgia Aquarium happens to be one of my favorite. I absolutely love their socials. And I recently did a really fun day in the life of a sea otter keeper, which was really cool. So I definitely recommend checking them out.
0: Oh, that sounds good. I feel like Daisy is the queen of social media and she's been working really hard on ours. So if you don't already follow us, um, please give us a follow because she's working really hard on it. <laughs> yes,
1: and we are really close to hitting 1,000 followers and I'm saying this live on the podcast, we have something fun planned so that we make sure that we do it.
0: (laughs) Yes, we haven't thought of it, but it's going to be great. (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, But speaking of this podcast episode, this week we had Kristen on the podcast who joined us from all the way in America.
0: Yeah, now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to record, Um, it was recorded during the middle of the day, so I was busy slogging away and Daisy was just chilling, not really, Um, (laughs) but Daisy did this interview with Kristen. And it was a really, really great chat. So they speak all about training, cooperative care behaviors and social media within our industry. Uh, And Kristen has built a huge community across Instagram, TikTok and YouTube.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we'll pop all of her contact details in the show notes as always. But we definitely missed you, Tess. But it was a really fun episode. So let's get into it. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us on Trainer Talks and Tales today. We are so excited to have you on the episode, and we actually have so much to get through today and so many fun questions to ask. Um, Before we get started, though, we'd love to always start episodes with a fast five. So are you happy for us to get straight into it?
2: All right, let's do it.
1: Okay. uh, Question number one, morning or night shower? Uh, Night. Favorite US state? Colorado. Favorite color? Green. Instagram or TikTok
2: Ugh,
1: TikTok okay and last question
2: this might be a tough one walruses or sea otters oh it's actually not walruses oh that's yeah easy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yeah well you know it looks when you look at my content I've obviously I'm catering to what people really love and people really really love um, otters but I'm trying to I'm trying to bring them into the folds of my of my walrus love obsession as well I can see a plush walrus in the background of recording too. There's actually like three back there. It's a little (laughs) embarrassing.
1: (laughs) No, so good. Well, we're so excited to chat to you today and thank you so much again. Before obviously we get stuck into anything more, we always love to really get to know our guests and have a bit of an understanding of where you got to, how you are, like your pathway into how you got to where you are today. So is there any chance you could touch on your career pathway?
2: Yeah, so I always loved animals. Um, and growing up everybody asked me if I wanted to be a vet a veterinarian. That's the one thing that I knew that I didn't want to do, and I was just gonna work with animals and I always told my parents that and they believed me and so um, I went to Colorado State University. I got a degree in zoology and um, a second major in like basic biology with a little minor that's uh, like a mouthful Um, and all all through university I was um, volunteering at a raptor um, birds of prey rehab center which I really loved and then straight out of university I started applying for internships at various zoos and aquariums and I applied for this one that I was the only one that I applied for that I absolutely knew I wasn't going to get. And it was working with belugas and sea otters at the Vancouver Aquarium in Canada. And, uh, I did get it. Um, and sort of the rest is history. I always wanted to work with tigers, um, was kind of my thing, tigers and lions. Uh, and then I started working with belugas and sea otters and I fell in love and I haven't looked back. So I spent a lot of time there. Um, and became a Canadian citizen as well um, and then I uh, left there to work with belugas again um, at the mystic aquarium and now I'm back on the west coast um, in uh, a little place called um, Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium in Tacoma, Washington. So,
1: yeah. so cool, so awesome yeah. to hear how you got to that and like the kind of what you thought you were going to do
2: and then be it in heaps of different directions. What was it like yeah. working
1: with, with belugas?
2: Um, belugas are amazing. Uh, I love beluga whales. They're, they're very charismatic animals. Um, but they, they're also very slow. (laughs) So I feel like when you work with, I've worked with dolphins as well. And, um, when you work with dolphins, like everything is just so fast paced and the way their brain works and like, and the way their bodies work and everything. Um, and then when you work with belugas, it's just like, Taking a step back, like just kind of like the lazy couch potatoes. Um, and uh, but they're a lot of fun and um super interesting animals and they are very squishy, which I think is really fun. Um, so yeah, beluga's are um have always been a, a love of mine for sure. We don't have any beluga's in <laughs> Australia in human
1: care. No. So they're definitely one of my like animals I'd love to see one day. So I think we've got yeah. to do it. A U.S. trip to be able to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, probably. Or you could go see them in the wild in, yes. in Canada and that would be kind of cool.
1: <laughs> that would be very cool. Um, now, I really want to chat to you a little bit more about animal training. And I'm actually going to see if we can pull apart one of your most recent videos because you've got a fairly decent following on YouTube and you post a whole lot of really cool content on there. You recently did a video on why we have animals in human care, why we train them, and you know the importance of that within zoos and aquariums. You actually quoted a Polar Bears International, which I'm going to use now because I really like it. And it was yeah. research shows that zoos and aquariums are trusted messengers on climate change and other conservation issues reaching millions of people every year who might not otherwise hear such messages. I love that. Do you want to expand a little bit on that and your thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I really uh, feel strongly that, that zoos and aquariums um, are teaching people about these animals in ways that it is not possible to learn about them through books and, um, you know, and and watching TV and things like that. And um, having that up close experience, something that I, I always touch on whenever I'm doing like keeper chats or we do shows and stuff like that is uh, there, the, there is a, you know, an argument to be made that training these animals so that people can see their natural behaviors and build connections like that is a, a valid reason to train um, animals in, in a zoo and aquarium setting. And of course, it's not ever our first reason. Um, like you said, we're always doing things for husbandry and, and healthcare and stuff. But um, but yeah, there's a growing body of evidence that that suggests that, that people come through their doors and they trust the messaging that zoos and aquariums are putting forward. And so um, I feel like it's important that we take that seriously and uh, adjust our messaging accordingly. Um, and polar bears international is um, is a great example of, of that of that connection um, because they do a lot of that kind of research primarily with polar bears obviously. Um, <laughs> and I now work with polar bears uh, and so I'm getting to see like how that that research and that that partnership um, really really goes hand in hand and is uh, making a difference I think
1: yeah absolutely and i feel like we're we're starting to see the change from what we used to think was important for animals which was you know the five domains and starting to incorporate that training is really important enrichment is mm-hmm. essential in these mm-hmm. animals well-being to be able to provide the best care that we can for them
2: yeah absolutely i mean it's the the industry is always evolving and it should be and if um you know you're ever somewhere that says that they That they've got it done and they don't need to do any work on it anymore like that. That should never be the case. Um, And it's also what I try to explain to people when, um, you know, some people still have this view of zoos being what it was in the 60s and the 70s with bars and uh, pacing animals and things like that and and zoos and aquariums have come a really really long way and are going to continue to improve um and you know that's that's important to look at when you're looking at the big picture um and uh and whether or not you want to support a facility is um their their ability to to change and adapt and their willingness to um to try to evolve
1: yeah, definitely, I agree, and I think it's it's an exciting time to see what's going to happen in the next few years within the industries as well. Now, another thing you kind of touched on in one of your YouTube videos was, you know, what are the benefits of not always giving the animals their diet on a plate?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes I get comments like that that are like, I can't believe the animals are having to work for their food. Um, and I guess that's one way to think about it. Um, but in another way, like we we do firstly, all work for our food, Uh, you know, in one way or another, we're doing these jobs and we're uh, making the money to do the thing, uh, you know, and to live the life. And if if you're just Sitting in a room, having your food delivered to you, um, you know, straight to your uh, to a plate that you just eat. Like that's it's actually very uninteresting in my mind. Um, and training sessions are just one way to deliver the the food that the animal needs to get every single day. Um, we don't always do training sessions, and uh, especially now that I work in a in a zoo setting, I find that um, zoos are much shorter staffed than aquariums um, tend to be, uh, in my opinion with, um, you know, for some reason, cetaceans, um, we seem to stack more um, staff onto those areas, or at least everywhere that I've ever worked that had cetaceans, we had far more staff than than I am currently doing now. So it's about doing what you can with what you have. Um, And I find, that doing some sort of um, scatter feed or hiding feeds or freezing um, feeds into toys and puzzles that the animals have to figure out is actually a lot of times much more um, useful for the animal than even the training sessions are. Uh, It preoccupies their time. These guys would normally be uh, having to look for their food. <laughs> and we are, in, we are just providing it for them, like to their faces. And so um, that's, I'm sure they probably really like that in a lot of ways, but it's it's not very um, mentally stimulating. So we do, that is something that, um, you know, zoos and aquariums are always trying to find ways to do is to deliver that food in a meaningful way that is, um, you know, making the animal think about something. So, uh, so, you know, I love, I love to change up Things like that. And I'm I'm always looking for new ideas on on what we can do. Um, burying their food in ice and they need to find it and and things like that 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 help to preoccupy um some of that that free time that our animals have that they wouldn't have if they were living out in the ocean.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love that. And I think we have to remember (laughs) that you know, life in human care is pretty cruisy. They don't have any natural predators, so it's it's our our job and it's so important that we mentally and physically stimulate them in slightly different ways.
2: Yeah. And I think it's also I like I love being upfront and honest about that um because people I feel like too a lot of times zoos and aquariums will get in the habit of being only putting your best foot forward and and never really talking about some of the some of the trickier things like this is a challenge for animals that live in human care is that they uh you know they are not having to do these activities that would normally um you know preoccupy their entire days and so uh finding activities for them to do enough activities um during the day is is like a essential part of of their health care and their well-being and um and it's not it's something that like you said we're now moving towards like enrichment is just absolutely vital um And it's not just like providing them with food. So I think being like upfront about the, there are challenges for animals that live under human care. They're vastly different challenges than the ones that they're having out in the ocean, Um, but they still exist, so...
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, you touched a little bit earlier on cooperative care or husbandry behaviors and why they are, you know, obviously so important. Could you explain a little bit what a cooperative care behavior is? And I guess maybe give us some examples of them that you utilize with daughters and walruses.
2: Yeah. um, So... Basically, husbandry and healthcare behaviors are going to be any behavior that the animal is helping us to achieve that that helps them to be a healthier animal in some way, shape, or form. And um, they can be pretty simple, uh, like an open mouth behavior, looking inside, checking out their teeth, their tongue, and their gums, making sure everything looks healthy. Like that's that's a pretty simple behavior. Um, basic paw presents. Um, I think you probably see some of those in my otter videos. Uh those are all really basic um, ways that we can help to make sure there aren't any new cuts or scrapes or anything we need to be aware of. But we can go a step further. There can be things like um, brushing their teeth. Um, one of our otters gets her teeth brushed um, because she has some particular uh, dental changes that we're trying to monitor. So um, I think that's pretty wild that you can, you can brush an otter's teeth. This otter could crush this toothbrush um, without too much of a thought. Uh, Things like voluntary x-rays, voluntary ultrasounds, uh, even voluntary blood samples. Blood samples are are a super important part of of everyone's health care and monitoring their, you know, base levels so that you know when there is some kind of change going on. Um, In walruses, tusk care is super important. So um, our walruses will, they wear caps on the end of their tusks. It's sort of... um, acts similar to like when you put a horseshoe on a horse where, um, it's just protecting the tusk from cracking or breaking. And we, uh, we put those tusk caps on, um, without anesthesia, um, voluntarily. So they, uh, have to sit for about 15 minutes, um, with us holding that cap on there. Uh, and they really can't have Pretty minimal food, uh, because the more that they eat, the more drool like drops into the little <laughs> cap and will uh keep it from adhering properly. So um I think that one's really, really cool. Um we have an otter who will do um eye drops as well. So you can ask her to tilt her head in one direction, and drop eye drops in there. Like when I think about these things um and how how difficult they are for me to do to myself, like I'm- <laughs> eye drops, you know, like I'm, I'm always like squinting, it's going everywhere, you know, and, and I'm like, I don't trust myself to do this to myself. So, um, when you build up those relationships with the animals and they, they trust you to do these things and, and they trust you that it's going to be a positive experience. Those are, those are kind of what I think of when I think of some of the, the cooler cooperative care behaviors.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, we A couple of our seals at um, mm-hmm. the facility I work at do eye drops too. And I'm like, this is some of the best eye drops I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> People yeah. cannot do it as well as seals. Like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. And with the walrus's tusk, um, their caps, do you have to change those out regularly or do they last quite a while?
2: So we don't change them unless they pop them off. Um, And even then we can just reuse unless there's been some kind of change in the end of the tusk, which hopefully there isn't because that's the whole point of the cap. Um, (laughs) We just reuse the same tusk cap. It just goes right back on. So um, we just put the adhesive in there. I don't know what kind of adhesive it is um but uh but yeah they'll usually bring them to us they're like look what I found this giant metal cap and then they spit them at us and then we're like oh well we got to put that back on so have you ever had people kind of question if you utilize
1: them for more for your safety rather than for the oh, actual benefits of the animal
2: <laughs> all the time all the time and I, I think it's kind of a really funny it, it, to me it's really funny I have to remind myself that not everybody knows walruses. So in fact, almost no one knows anything about walruses. So, um, so it's not, it's not their fault, but, um, yeah, people will say that it's for, uh, for my protection, which I think is funny because it's a metal cap. Like it's not going to help me. (laughs) Um, but I think what, I think what people are, are alluding to is they think that, um, that the caps actually stop the tusks from growing which again is kind of a funny thing like in my head I'm like that doesn't make any sense because of course the tusks grow from the the root down it's that doesn't stop them from growing or I think some people even think um and I've been pushing for our facility to get some signage to explain the tusk caps a little bit better because they think that we have cut the tusks off um and I'm like these are just seven-year-old walruses so the tusks are not very long right now and that's all it is um so yeah there's a lot of misunderstanding about stuff like that and that again that's what we're talking about where getting messaging and having you know appropriate um signage and appropriate um social media messaging can really help to to educate people on stuff like that but yeah Yeah. just caps i mean that's a hard thing to ask people to know anything about so Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't feel like I knew that
1: much about it. So thank you for explaining a little bit more. And you spoke about social media, which I'm going to dive into really soon. But quickly, I just wanted to ask about the adorable tapping behavior that we see all over your social media with the otters. Is that a natural, like, is it based off a natural behavior?
2: Yeah, the tippy tappies, the tippy tappies. Um, yes, it it is a natural behavior, and uh, and most otters that I've worked with, um, learn this behavior. Um, it's basically kind of a riff off of, uh, them smashing a rock into a clam or a clam into a rock, um, to break into that shell. So it's essentially the same kind of motion. They're very, um, uh, they're very tactile and they're very adept at breaking things sea otters are um notorious um naughty naughty creatures uh because of this so their their favorite thing to do is to is to break into things so they'll use a rock to crack muscles off of you know whatever surface they're adhered to and then they'll crack into those muscles as well or clams or crabs or what have you so um, it's essentially just a way of demonstrating uh, how fast they can do that they can um, do it about 35 times in um, in like less than like 30 seconds wow. um, so they can <laughs> they can tap their their paws really really quickly um to dislodge crabs and clams and stuff like that so uh yeah but it is it does have the you know added benefit of being um, a little asmre which is important for tiktok i've learned (laughs) and um and also just being adorable yeah i think it is definitely one of the
1: cutest things that you post (laughs) throughout. um now you obviously are super generous with how much you share about your job on social media and have established a really incredible following do you feel overall it's had a fairly positive effect on how zoos and aquariums are seen to the public or your
2: followers? Yeah, I mean, well, I'd like to think so, um, I, I really hope so, that's, that's the whole point, um, I'm really lucky because my facility and I have chatted quite a bit and we have an understanding and, and they allow me to post these types of things because a lot of people are not allowed to post this stuff. and so I'm really lucky to have that relationship um with this current facility where uh where we are able to reach some kind of understanding about what what I can and can cannot post. Um but I, I always put like you know our best foot forward and things like that because I, I am, you know, I am trying to uh to turn the tide on on some of um what people perceive um for, for zoos and aquariums. And I've been really fortunate once you find your niche and you start building a following, then like you know, the algorithm finds more of your people and brings in more of those people. So, um, my following is is far and away um, very very positive people um, and very um, pro zoo and aquarium people. But um, but they do have you know really important questions, and I always um, I'm always really honest about a lot of those things too. So I think that that built up some of the integrity piece um, because a lot of facilities I had worked at previously, I just found didn't want to share some of the you know some of the downside and some of the things that we're talking about some of the some of the struggles that we do have for zoo animals and 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 things that we are working on um as a you know a global entity of people who are just trying to to do the best for our animals is um it's not always just you know roses and uh, and stuff like that so um so i think that being honest about those types of things. Um, my followers know that I'll be, I'll be honest with them about, um, about issues or about, you know, when animals die and things like that. And we need to talk about these things. So, um, so yeah, but I'm, I'm really, uh, really pleased with, with my followers. I feel like they're some of the best people. Um, and, uh, you know, we have like a discord server where I get to know some of that. And actually some of them have been visiting me. Um, now that I'm here on wow. the West coast. Yeah. I've seen quite a few of them and they're just, they're just such good people. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm really happy with the, the community for sure.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You clearly created a really, you know, fun environment for them to be around. And I I agree with, you know, I can understand why zoos and aquariums have hesitancies with how much they want to share, you know, with animal activists and people not overly sure about what's going on. But then at the same time, I equally think it's super important that we're transparent and we share, you know, how much we've progressed as an industry. And, you know, like you said, you know, animals die. It's part of life. No matter what care you do, it just is going to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that I'm hopeful that, um, people are, are starting to understand that social media is, um, is a, is a powerful tool for us to use, uh, and not something to be afraid of, um, more and more. Um, I think that, that people are starting to grasp that and there's always going to be, uh, you know, the trolls out there, but we don't need to worry about them. It's just, (laughs) just a few of them. They're just loud.
1: yeah exactly and now i guess looking at conservation and more specifically conservation through education how important is it that facilities or keepers are utilizing social media to support that
2: yeah i mean like i said i i feel like i'm super lucky i don't know of a lot of other keepers who are able to post the types of videos that i am able to post so i i'd love to encourage everyone to to do that but i i don't i know that it's probably not possible for most, um, for most people just with their jobs and what, and what they want to do. But I think that, um, whatever you, you can do, um, like can definitely be, uh, be important. And I, during the pandemic is when I really got started with, with this social media, because for me, um, the The human connection with all of this has always been super important for me. And I know that this is not true of, of I think most keepers or most trainers are um, are there because they love the animals and they want to spend time with the animals and often more so than people. They understand animals. Um, and for me, I love the animals, of course, as well. But I always found that the value of zoos and aquariums is that people are coming through the door um, and that when when that went away, that was really really hard for me to feel like so we were still going and taking care of these animals every day but what was the point um and for me it lost a lot of its value um uh, when we were just hanging out with animals every day <laughs> um, and we had a lot of fun in some ways um because you know it was just like four people just running around hanging out with the otters and the sea lions but Uh, But it really uh, I really struggled with it mentally as as being, um, you know, the loss of of something that was super important, Um, showing showcasing these animals to people is is part of what I think zoos and aquariums, you know, should be at the forefront of their of their sort of brand. And yeah, so that's when I started the social media thing. And I was like, well, then I'm going to share the animals. (laughs) Um, You know, Uh, we didn't have a social media team anymore because this whole thing, you know, had come and taken over the world. And so, so I was going to be their social media team. And, um, and so that's how it all got started. And then I just have really, you know, when you think about how many people I can talk to in a single day, and I love to get out and talk to guests. And, and that's something that um is kind of unique, I think, to me than some of my coworkers who would rather, you know, just stay behind the scenes. Uh, <laughs> but I, I can't, reach as many people as I can when I just post a single reel in the morning on, um, on Instagram or something like that, you know, I can't even come close. I can't even touch those kind of numbers. And, um, I think the, I think the in-person experience is probably a little bit more valuable, but I still think, um, those, those numbers that you can reach and, and these people that are falling in love with sea otters and walruses in a way that, that they never thought possible learning about these animals that most people have never seen, never even heard of, um that there's a lot of value in it
1: yeah absolutely I absolutely love that you've said that and I agree with you I think the in-person interactions are definitely the most valuable but the fact that you've been able to give a platform for people who might not actually have the opportunity to see walruses or otters or sea lions you know stations, etc in human mm-hmm. care you know you've giving them that little bit of platform to be able to you know see what they get up to learn a little bit more about them which is just as important too
2: yeah yeah and I think that when you get um uh that, that from a keeper's POV, like that's what people are, are really interested in is, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people say like that you have my dream job, um, you know, because that's what people grew up wanting to do is just to like hang out with animals. Um, so I do have a lot of people's dream job. And so them getting to see um, that point of view and then uh, hopefully through me, you know, I try to I do try to do we've got tippy tappies, we've got cute stuff, but I, I do try to incorporate some educational value a little bit. <laughs> Um, but then also they get to see like the love and the care and the, you know, what we're doing for the animals and, um, you know, and, uh, and how important that is for, for teaching people about them. I love, especially the zoo. Is it the zoo after you? That you yeah. Do
1: yeah. Is it like a standout facility or a couple of facilities that you think are leading
2: the way with social media education? Oh, um, I do think Point Point Defiance does a really really good job, so that's that's definitely one of them. Um, who else do I think is doing a really really good job? I I feel like the uh, the Oregon Zoo does a pretty good job as well. Um, and these are all like they're mostly going to be uh, you know facilities that have sea otters because that's like just <laughs> where all of my connections now lie. But I think Monterey Bay. Is doing a really, really good job as well. And Monterey Bay also has um a 24-7 sea otter live cam. Wow. <laughs> uh yeah. And and people go nuts for it. And and people have um, you know, they 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 get to just watch the otters all day. They get to know each of them individually. Um, and so I think that, that uh is something that they've tapped into that is um, you know, I, I wish more facilities would. Will kind of be on board with. And I know that having a 24-7 live camp, there's tricky things about that because there are people sometimes on their camp. So there's logistical issues, I do understand, but some people have done it. And um, so Monterey Bay is um, really doing a good job, I think, with that.
1: Now, have you ever have had any hesitancies from facilities you've worked at with your social media presence?
2: Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I don't really blame them uh, because essentially they're having to trust the, the type of messaging that I'm going to put out there. Uh, and I do get, um, I get my videos approved right now through my current facility. Um, and so they're, they're approved for posting and I, and I know, and I've covered my bases there, uh, but they don't necessarily know what I'm going to say, what I'm going to type in, in Instagram and stuff like that. And, um, or, or how I answer my questions or, or things like that. So it, it is a, you know, it's a, it's a, sort of a, an exercise in trust when they're, uh, allowing me to, to post some of these behind the scenes things. Uh, and it is something that zoos and aquariums are, um, you know, wanting to, wanting to put our best foot forward because uh, we know the good that we're doing. Uh, and we just want everyone to, to see, you know, to see what that, um, what that is and not, uh, you know, cause sometimes you've got this, if you take a, a picture of like this dark, you know, dingy corner in the office that hasn't been scrubbed for three weeks you know and somebody takes that and and says that oh look at how dirty the zoo is when it's really not you know that's really not the case but um but you want to make sure that you're um that you're showcasing the proper thing so i i really do understand their hesitancy but i do think there is a way to um you know to work together and to and to and, and you know they they also get to post like any videos that I that I take, um, so there's there's mutually beneficial things happening here. Um, I'm just providing them with constant tippy-tappy content, which we all know is at a premium right now. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I think, I think it's just tricky for people, especially in the age of like influencers and stuff, which is always weird for me to like refer to myself as an influencer, but it, yeah, it's, it's tricky. Um, you know, they, a lot of times they've never had a person that has that many followers and wants to post about things. So, um, so I get it, but uh all in all, I think um, having a really nice, like, open conversation has been super helpful for me at my facility. We we chat all the time about things and um, and directions that we'd like to go with stuff, and um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been really positive here. But I know that it's not always that way. <laughs> yes, well, and I think, like you said, there's you know mutual benefits for both the facility
1: and for yourself. So you're all working towards the same goal at the end of the day, which is you know the most important yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now we do have some, we actually had lots of questions from the listeners. So I had to yeah. you know, compact it to just three, just because okay. be here all day otherwise. Um <laughs> the question number one was what do you think is the most important thing to do to get into the industry from your experience?
2: Oh yeah. Um I think being willing to um to move around. Uh, so not limiting yourself. If you're, you know, not limiting yourself to the facility that's five minutes down the road from where you've always lived, you might have to go to Canada, um, you know, uh, <laughs> and um, and not limiting yourself either in like the type the type of animal. Because, like I said, I, I really wanted to work with tigers and lions. I really thought that's what I would be doing, and maybe I will in the future. But um, instead, I'm I'm here with walruses and sea otters and polar bears and. Um, and that's that's wild, and I and I love it. Um, so being open to to different experiences because that's just going to broaden your pool of opportunities. Whereas if you're only applying to this one zoo down the street that has tigers and you're not willing to do anything else, then um, that's going to be uh, really tricky to get your foot in that door. So
1: yeah, definitely. And it's funny actually because we've interviewed a couple of people from the U.S. and they've all said the same thing: be willing to move. Whereas I think. The culture in in Australia is a little bit different, and I guess the main difference is that we don't have the volume of facilities that right. you guys have in the states yeah. at all. Like, you know, in my local area, within maybe like four hours, there's like three, maybe like yeah. And if you want to work with marine animals, there's two in the whole state, and that's it. Yeah. So it's it becomes a little bit more difficult to you know be willing to move to the other side of the country. and I and
2: I can totally I can totally relate because um you know I I moved to Canada which is like great but there's again there's only like three facilities um and and really only one accredited facility with marine mammals so um so when I decided to leave there I had zero other options so I had to leave the country so yeah um, okay so yeah uh, it's totally I mean and it, I, it sucks to say those types of things, too, because it's such a... Um unfortunately one part of the industry that i would love to change is that it's it's very much catered to to people with money right like so i'm saying be willing to move you know you moving is expensive yeah um you know and we're over here strapped with you know just straight out of university with all of that debt and stuff like that so it's it's from a very privileged place that i that i now stand here um you know and get to do these things and, and to give you advice that you may or may not even be physically possible but um as much as you can you know um try not to try not to limit your yourself at least if it's only because you're you just want to work with a specific type of animal I would I would broaden your horizons
1: yeah definitely now question number two was what is your favorite fact you can tell us about otters and walruses
2: oh I just think (laughs) that everything about them is so cool um let's see I think sea otters are pretty wild for a lot of different reasons but I'll try to pick something that's not Um, necessarily, you know, sort of mainstream that you might not have heard of. So um, sea otters are really interesting. As as you know, with marine mammals, they don't drink fresh water because they don't have access to fresh water. So they get the fresh water that they need from the food that they eat. But uh, sea otters are actually capable of drinking a little bit of salt water and processing it through their kidneys. So in a pinch, they can actually take some gulps of seawater and make that work out for them um, that's cool. and I just think that's that's kind of weird and obscure obscure facts about the otter Walruses uh, one that I've been finding really fun to tell people lately because the walruses are in the process of losing their hair for the winter time um, and people are like why would that why does that make any sense um, their hair doesn't actually, help them to stay warm at all it's a very thin layer of hair um kind of just like what you would see on a sea lion or a seal um but what it does is it grows out in the summertime because in the arctic it would be light 24 7 and so it acts like a sunscreen for them so it's essentially just like a little a little coat that they put on in the summertime (laughs) so they don't get a sunburn that is so that, cool. I would not have yeah, done that at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I love that fact. That one's pretty fun. But I I I can't get too deep into it. I could talk about sea otters and walruses okay. forever. But I'm gonna chuck in some cool like a, a little extra question. Have you worked
1: with, you know, other species of otters? Is there much of a difference between then working with sea otters? So
2: I have not. I have not worked ah, with okay. river otters or Asian small clod. I I um we have Asian small clod here and I, I love them. I think they're so cute um and i would really love to uh, work a little bit more with um with those types of otters but no i've I've only worked with the c variety yeah okay so cool
1: um okay and then our final question was from being so prominent online how do you deal with negative responses if you get any
2: yeah i mean i do i i i feel like you that's the other thing if you're not in a good mental space i would not recommend like starting up your influencer career um because uh yeah i have a very thick skin um and i am not phased by um the nasty things that people say but they they do say them um in particular on youtube and i'm not really Really? sure why yes i'm like why is everybody on youtube so mean um but i would not expect that i definitely thought I you'd get know. more of it on instagram or... yeah yeah and i do i i get them all over the place um and i just let it roll right off me because uh it often what's really nice is when you have a following as big as mine um what usually happens is they all come in and they deal with it for me so i don't even have to <laughs> i don't even have to reply half the time they've uh, within seconds they've well no the caps are t- they have to protect the tusk not you know and they 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 get in there they That's know all the great. info. Um, But yeah, I mean, and it's important to sort of, I find to be able to look at a, a question, if it is a question or a comment and um decipher whether or not it's it's in good faith or not um so if the person has a legitimate question i want to answer that for them if they are um you know legitimately concerned and being respectful with the way that they're asking things um then i will respond in kind and i want to educate those people and um and i will try to help them to reach an understanding because there are people we can change minds about. And yeah, then there definitely. are not. So so you'll you'll notice qu- pretty quickly the, the difference between the two people. And I just I just straight ignore the bad comments and I don't even delete them because I am just like engagement. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And I just <laughs> I will
1: benefit that. from that. Um, thank you. <laughs> but yeah
2: I I do I do get negative comments. I just I just wouldn't even think about it. Would you would you actually take the the sheer volume of like the comments or um or likes and things like that, uh, it's overwhelmingly positive. And the only reason that you're thinking about the negative one is just because it, it makes you feel like crap. And that, but that's it's just one. I, I promise you, the the weight is far heavier on um, on how many positive um, comments you're getting. These people are just loud and obnoxious, and it's not um, it doesn't represent the vast majority of what people. Um, what people say and when you think about it too like to actually comment on something like how often do you actually comment on someone's post like it takes a lot for me to actually comment everybody just likes it right so it's only just the nasty people that are you know <laughs> that are feeling nasty and want, want to make you feel bad and don't let them just don't yeah let
1: them. yeah no that's great I think you have obviously got a really good mindset around social media yeah. which is which is really important yeah I feel like we could sit here and chat probably all day long, especially about the (laughs) fact that you're talking about marine animals and it's definitely where my passion lies too. But unfortunately, we will have to wrap it up. But thank you so much for all of your time. I'm really (laughs) Yeah, no problem.
2: Thanks for having me. That was super
1: fun. And obviously we've spoken about your social media. So for everyone listening, where can they find you if they for some reason don't know where you are? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, you can find me. It's funny because I always forget like what my <laughs> what my tags are, but um you can find me on YouTube. Um it's K Passionate. Um, you can find me on Instagram, and I think that's like KP um uh, or it's like K Passionate with a dot after the P. And then on uh TikTok, I'm K underscore Passionate. Um yeah, those are kind of like my uh my main platforms and um you can come and uh and chat and hang out with me. I also have a Discord server so um where you can actually actually come talk to me and um you know ask for advice and stuff like that if you're interested. And those links are on like all of my YouTube videos. So amazing. And we'll chuck all of that stuff in our show notes too, <laughs> so
1: people can find you easily. oh awesome. well, thank you so much again, Kristen. We're so grateful.
2: Yeah, it was great to meet you.
0: Well, Daisy, once again, I'm very disappointed I wasn't there for that chat, but I felt like I was listening to it. It's so engaging and you guys really spoke well. So I loved it.
1: Yeah, definitely. She is, you know, such a great source of knowledge and she's got so much experience and I can chat about sea otters and walruses all day long. So it's definitely a fun conversation. We really hope that you guys all enjoyed the chat too. And we'll be back in your ears next Thursday with another episode. See you then.
2: Bye-bye.